if you can get a, a hundred people in a room and, and kind of tell them, you know, like this is the the right way to start running, and then they go out and do it, I think you're going to get a drastically different group of people in the way that they approach the sport versus if it's just heaps of people just kind of, well, I've just got to run and I've got to run a lot. Good everyone, that was Luke McCallum. I'm Matt Raymond. I'm Eugene Bingham. And this is Dirt Church Radio, interesting conversations with interesting runners. So no, he said, you know, yeah, good shoes, terrible people, but <laughs> moving on. Are we I'm, recording? Yeah, yeah oh. we are, I mean, oh. and we're here, yeah, here on the ads part. Oh yeah. The yeah. ads part of the show. The ads part of the show with mm. our new sponsor, mm. Ultra Aspire, mm. making tremendous packs that are actually really comfortable. Um, I've been wearing... Uh, since 1985. No, I haven't been wearing them that, that long. But I have been wearing them for as long as I've been running trials. See, I, I went with another company that was perhaps more fashionable, and I'm mm. using air quotes there, and they cut... I tore like an old sock. I really did. Mm. I used to get rubbing on the I took the advice bones. of Sean Collins. There we got go. Got myself into one of those, because he's... he's a, Anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I I bought my wife one, and uh, it was one of the old Alpha packs, the the green one. Steve Neary, may you rest in peace, brother. Um, wore one. I yep. bought Rebecca one and coveted it for years. Mm. Now, but there's new shoes one. on the other foot, Rebecca. There's a new one, Zygos Four. Mm. As I said last week, I tore mine, my old Zygos, from my body with the force in which I impacted into Mount Luxmore like a meteorite, uh, ripped it. And it is no more. But the Zygos 4, massive storage capacity, 14 litres. Same footprint as the Zygos, but better, nicer, better colours. Yeah. Overall nicer. and Improved ultra- front pockets. Yeah. Easy to access stretch mesh side pockets and the best darn pole carrier system on the market. I'm not reading this, honestly. You really need to emote more. But look, yep. Ultra Spire New Zealand have sent us an insulting code. DCR blows... That's D-C-R-B-L-O-W-S. To get you guys like close to 40 bucks or 40 bucks off the Zygos 4.0, which is, you get you that for $200. 200 200 which isn't a bad deal at all for the uh, quality and comfort that this pack provides. Like I said, wear it at Parkrun, oversubscribe, mm. or it'll handle your massive day out. It'll handle anything. The yep. Zygos 4 from Ultraspire. Thanks. Thanks, Ultra Spire. We think. Mm. Hey, uh, we should talk about poles. <sighs> wizard sticks. Yeah. I can't remember. Cheat, cheating. Cheating wizard sticks? Do they... They're uh, not really... Uh, yeah, again, I'm looking at the river. We don't use poles because we, we, we're flatlanders. Yeah. But I understand that they're useful. They're very useful. And I saw a video of Rocky Martin from Further Faster, our sponsor... Coming in at the Arrowhead Trail Race this weekend, the race, uh, rolling in on his uh, Trail King, Trailblaze poles, Mountain like King. a boss. Mountain, Mountain King. King Trailblaze. I'm sick. So I'm Mountain King Trailblaze is a four-section pole made for trail runners and ultralight hikers. Super lightweight and easy to assemble. These are the poles of choice of some of the top ultra runners in the world, including Rocky. 15 grams. That's it. And they fold into the back of your Zygos pack. Yep. They're made at a engineering facility in the north of England. Yeah. Is that where Rocky came from as well? He is from Halifax in Yorkshire. So he's maybe came from the same engineering facility. There would have been a union link there somewhere. Mm. Anyway, look, not to bury the lead, but we are proud to be sponsored by both these 
gorgeous organizations and um yeah check out furtherfaster.co.nz they're based in the garden city the champion city christchurch go and see rocky joe dan and the crew for a beer a catch-up take your dog in there they're very dog positive and uh yeah check them out furtherfaster.co.nz cheers you can just leave that though all right yeah just leave it hey are we <sighs> episode 36? Episode 36 is just, I was recording on both tracks of the, the channel there, but it's nothing you need to know about. Anyway, <laughs> podcast, little in joke there. It took four <laughs> hours to work out what I was anyway. doing. <clears throat> Professional. Luke McCullum. Kia ora, everyone. Yeah. Episode 36. We made it. We're closer to 40 than we are to 30. Mm. <sighs> I was going to say, I'm Matt Raymond. <laughs> I'm sick. Are. I'm sick. Touch me, I'm sick. Yeah. I am sick. Yeah, which probably for all you people who complain about uh, voices sounding the same, this week they don't. Yeah, because I'm a bit gravelly, a bit monotonal, but there we go. Yeah. Hey, we just got off the old Skype machine. Yeah. A good conversation with Luke uh, McCallum. Luke McCallum, who is an exceptionally fast runner and massage therapist who's based in Auckland. He's from Hawara, but most interestingly, he's been in Eaton in Kenya for the last two months, three months, he's been back about a month, uh, working with elite Kenyan athletes and New Zealand athletes, and so he has a lot to talk about, about the juxtaposition between New Zealand and Kenya life, and running, and well-being in general, so... Mm. And listen through to the end, because he gives some good... Oh, this sounds like a plug, but it kind of is. He gives some good tips on how to incorporate running into your life healthily. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, really I learned a lot, actually. Mm. I know I always say that. No, I did too. Yeah. I did too. Mm. So thanks, Luke. And so stick around for that. How are you going, apart from being sick? Sick? Yeah. I'm a bit dysregulated. My red wine and codeine diet to... No, no not at all. But I'm all over the place. But yeah, I'm sick. I got broken into on the weekend as well when my house got, got tipped. So yeah. feeling a little bit wobbly, it's to be honest. It's a shock. And it's that sense of intrusion. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but they went through our undie draw. Yeah. You know, right. undie drawers. We have separate drawers. Right. Becca and I would keep it seemly. You drawers, know, few drawers. And, and tipped everything out. But mm. I guess it, it holds to the point that positions are positions. The most important thing is family. Everyone's safe. Yeah. And um, yep. yeah. Yeah. Well, like to point out, if you're looking for an Australian working Kelpie as a guard dog, they <laughs> did. Point, they actually. did. Fuck all. <laughs> Thanks, Rigby. Good point. <laughs> mm. Okay, no thanks, Rigby. And I just hope that your kids are okay. No, they were. So no, okay. yeah, everyone's yeah. cool. So That's thank you. And thing. thank you for everyone who's kind of reached out and said, you know, are you all right? Yeah, we mm. are. So Cool. Cheers. All right. I have been painting. How's carrying the painting? On, yeah, carrying on our goal of becoming the Dirt Church Radio painting gang. You are the Jackson Pollock of trial running. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. The Jean-Paul no. Pasquiat of... Riverhead. No, that's not me. Um, I got out for a road run. Yeah. Because I am, I've been training for 2 k but I've got Rotorua Marathon coming up in about a month, which I'm running with my older boy, Mark. And when I went on to Strava and saw his training, I see that he's been training like a boss. And so I was a bit worried that he was going to drop me. So uh, right. I thought I'd better get out there and do some road miles. Yeah. Yeah. It- um, I was really disappointed not to get out there running because we've been banking some serious oh. kilometers and we've been running really well together. And yep. um, I didn't run Saturday and Sunday. I was sick because I got sick as well. Um, but it ties in very nicely with our guest, Luke McCallum, yeah. because he talks about 
how to effectively look after yourself. Yeah, not being afraid to turn the switch off. Yeah, and I, mm. I very much uh, turned the switch off this weekend, and, mm. and to be honest, I feel better for it. So. Mm. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm quite knackered after hitting refresh on all my social medias all weekend. Yes. Barclay. Barclay Marathon. Yeah. Uh, marathons, marathons, actually. Yeah. The Barclay Marathons. Yeah. Rebecca and I watched um, on our TV, which was actually left in place, which was fantastic, uh, the, watched the, the race that eats its young last night. Yeah. And fantastic. Because yeah. as you may or may not know, we're putting on the uh, Riverhead Backyard Relapse Ultra, mm. which the winner gets a golden ticket to mm. Big Dog's Backyard Ultra which is put on by Lazarus Lakes. And the winner of Big Dog's Backyard Ultra gets an entry to the Barclay. Oh, yeah. right. There we go. Right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, his name has gone completely out of my head. But Lazarus Lakes? No, the winner of Big Dog is still... Johan Steen. Thank you very much. Is still... That's the name I thought. And then I thought, no, that's not it. But it was. Um, I won't say what I thought that was. Uh, but he's he's still there and amongst it. So we'll and so I mean, is, reveal, uh, opening opening the curtain a little bit. We're recording this on a Monday, yeah. so it's still going. And so is uh, Guillaume Calamites. He's out there too. A previous yep. winner of yes, Big Dogs Backyard Ultra. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And so is Greg Hamilton from New Zealand. Who you might say, Greg Hamilton from New Zealand. Who's Greg Hamilton from New Zealand? Well, I have been doing some <laughs> googling and I've been on the Twitter machine. Yep, and I've had uh, some. I got found some of his mates. So he's from New Zealand. He, uh, Alistair here, Alistair Alpine, at Alpine Folk, tells me he has a tramping background, mountain, mountain, tramping mountaineering background, orienteering and rogaining for years, and he's a rogaining world champion, which indeed he is, yeah. 2017 rogaining world champion. Alistair also says Greg has also competed in God's Zone a number of times. There we go. Yeah. And then Philip Barclay came back to us. No. Another mate of his. No. Uh... Spelt differently. Right. Yeah. This is quality content for me this week. <laughs> Said, lives in Christchurch, enjoys walks on the beach and sunsets, just as long as those beaches are about 100 kilometres long, and the sunset is at the top of a massive mountain, also best if raining. Wow. So Greg sounds like a total beast, and we should get him on the show, and he can tell us all about it. So he is one of six runners who went out onto lap three. Um, now, as we say... This is going to be old news by the time this comes out. So, But to even be at that point is phenomenal. Oh, and I hope he carries phenomenal. on and goes all the way. Go Kiwi. Mm. Uh, right, but in Auckland, mm. there was another endurance, kind of <sighs> ultra-endurance event. Speaking of all over the social medias. Are we talking about Sean Collins? We're talking about the one and only, the running Sean beast. Sean Collins. Yeah. 200 kilometres, 33 hours every Volcano in Auckland. Now, for those of you 57 of them. tuning in from overseas, we sit on 57, 57 volcanoes that we know about. I don't know how you'd actually get an incognito volcano. I mean, like... <laughs> Undercover volcano. Yeah, but yeah. Fifth, so the Auckland region, there are 57 volcanoes that, that, that dot the... The, the, the Isthmus. Again, fantastic content from me. I'm sorry. Um, and he ran up and down every single one of them, including the ones that are out to sea. Not undersea. He didn't do that. No. Um, put on dive equipment. 200 kilometres. Amazing. Amazing. Mm. And he, um, yeah, so that was all over my social media feed as well. And I loved following along. Congratulations, Sean. You are a total beast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and 
It was all just a training run. Training run for the relapse because yeah. he's running it. So yes. I'm. He's running it and he's running it. He's running it and he's he's so he's he's doing the back end stuff and yep. lactic turkey, okay. but he will be running it and yep. Rebecca, Madeline, and I will be doing the shift. Yeah, mm. I'm doing the overnight stuff. Can't so, wait. So excited. So well done, Sean. Yeah, and thanks for um, letting us live vicariously through your beard. So we used a CLE athletics. CLE athletics. We use them. We're using them now. We both have very nice CLE athletics hats on our heads. And I used a random name generator. <laughs> you explain what it's about. We said on social media, uh, Kale from Everyday Run New Zealand gave us uh, a CLE hat to give away. They're very popular. And um, I don't know whether to be stoked or disgusted at you filthy animals that you showed the most interest in getting a free hat than you did in any of our guests. We had uh, 216 entries. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, so we're going to give that away now. Right, so let's do the random number click. But we did a random name generator first, which is oh, yeah. useless. And so Columbus Weatherly. Congratulations. <laughs> you sure it's not, not going to go to Adam Shoemaker? Or Vania Mora or Julian mm. Juan Middleton. <laughs> Let's give it away to a real listener. So, uh, right, here we go. So, random number generator, which will equate to a name, 171. And that is... Nikki. Nikki. Ambiguous name. We've requested to follow you, Nikki. You follow us. We don't really know your real name, if your name is Nikki or not. But Nikki... We'll be in touch. We'll be in touch. You've won Congratulations. a very nice Sealy hat. And the rest of you... Um, Better luck. Better luck next time. Better luck next time. Mm. Thanks, Yelly. Thank you, Yelly. Right. Right. Stuff you should know. Drop it, Kieran. Stuff you should know. There we go. Stuff you should know. Mm. So, I spent um, part of the last couple of weeks strapped up with cardiac monitoring equipment. Right. Which is just tests for something that started last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an ongoing issue that I just need to keep on top of. It's nothing serious. It's nothing life-threatening, but I just need to go on for tests every now and again, partly because I've got crap genes when it comes to hearts. But anyway, the point is um, I need to keep on top of it because if I don't, then it will become serious. And it got me thinking about how men especially are traditionally crap at keeping on top of their health. And anecdotally, I'd say runners are pretty bad at it too. And um, we all carry injuries and we all ignore issues and hope they'll go away. And I've been there and done that and I've run with plenty of people who've been there done that. But for your own sake and for your family's sake, get checked up, checked up regularly. Mm. Even if... There's nothing specific wrong. You should start going for annual checkups when you're sort of, I don't know, what do they, what do they recommend? Yeah. They say over, four, well, I'm not over 45, but over 45, you should be getting mm. six monthly checkups. Yeah, well, I am. Um, make sure you've got a GP. Get to know your GP because mm. then they'll get to know you and they'll know when something's wrong. Macho bullshit, blissful ignorance is not going to be worth it if something does sneak up on you. No. And I guess keeping, in, again, this is very germane because Luke, this week's guest talks about that, like yeah. keeping on top of yourself and, and knowing, you know, in terms of your well-being. And yeah. And we talk a lot on the show, rightfully so, about mental health and sort of maintaining that and being on top of that. But it's also about your physical health as well. And this is really, and I sort of... Not dove, that they're different. Dovetailing. Yeah. I had a moment of utter panic when 
you and uh, you, you st- you st- we were going out on a group run in Riverhead and stuck back with Kunal and there was all basically Kunal had got lost or you guys had taken a wrong turn. I came back yep. and I had an utter moment of panic going, I hope Eugene's okay. And it's just one of those places you go to, you yeah, know, yeah. like A plus B equals 97. And I hope he's not. And then what do we do? And yeah. goodness, I'm, at least I know what to do in that situation. But I'm so glad I knew about what was happening for you. Yeah. Do you know, like rather than an utter surprise happening. So yeah. in terms of, yeah, you owe it to yourself. You also owe it to the people that you run with to yeah. look after yourself. Yeah. And just keep on top of things. It's no big deal. It's no big drama. Because you're nice and we like having you around. Yeah. And, you know... Because if, if we lose you as a listener, that's like one less click. Uh, all the, our ratings, our trend, our trend. Do you think we're going to be able to keep giving away hats? We're not. You know, so just keep on top of it. Go find your GP. Yeah. Get checked up. Don't ignore stuff. Don't ignore stuff. Because then you'll be able to keep running longer. Yeah. And listening to us. All right. And you'll also be able to have a greatest run ever. See what I did there? That was an S. Yes. Oh, amazing content for me this week. Sorry, I apologise. Segway, segway. That goal. was an excellent segue. Mm. So, greatest run ever. Part of the show where we ask you to write into us, tell us your greatest run ever. It doesn't have to be a race or a mountain summit. It might just be a run around the block. Mm. Might be a run up a mountain. Uh, something, that, any, something that sung to you for whatever reason, send it into us, dirtchurchradio at gmail.com or via our social media. Yeah, a special one this week. It is a special one this week. Uh, Steve Aitken, who is the husband and main enabler and a better of uh, one Mel Aitken, who we've had. At this point, we're on our knees. Yeah, had on the show. Mm. And um, yeah, a very uh, a very nice man and and a very quite a taciturn. You know, mm. like he's a cop. He's you know, and, and runner in his own right. Runner in his own right. And we were thrilled to get this in and, and, and actually feel, you know, really stoked that Steve is, is a fan of the show. So here we go. My greatest run ever, Old Ghost Road Ultra 2019. Being married to a running freak of nature, and I mean that in the nicest possible way, will always give you a distorted view on time, pace, and distance. And so running longer and so running longer distances was probably always going to happen. In a moment of weakness, I signed up for the Old Ghost Ultra in 2019. It was my first one and I had no real time expectations, but starting and finishing in the dark seemed likely. Finishing was the goal. The whole lead-up seemed surreal, and the enormity of the challenge ahead never really kicked in until race briefing Friday night. I've been to two of these briefings before with Mel and enjoyed the humorous but practical way Phil Rossiter delivers his briefing, but sitting there in that theatre, listening and absorbing the challenge in front of us, was new and daunting experience. This guy does not undersell the difficulty of this race. Friday night's sleep was not one of the best I'd have, and probably the same for a lot of runners waiting to take on the old ghost road. Saturday morning arrived, and in the pre-dawn we made our way to the start line. The nerves were really kicking in now. I've never really experienced pre-race nerves before, but this day I felt like throwing up. I was wondering how the hell I was ever going to complete this task, and wondering even if starting was a wise move. The countdown came, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and the hooter went, and... As it sounded, my nerves vanished. We were on our way, in the dark, 300 of us about to tackle the Old Coast Road. The run to Specimen Point went well. Dawn arrived, and the splendour of the countryside revealing itself in the dawn light. Running beside the Mokihinui River in the bush was fantastic. Arriving at the aid station, a quick top-up of flasks, a bit of an orange, and of course, an update on how well Mel was going, was, uh, and then I was off down towards Stern Valley. 
I settled in with a group of three other runners, and with a bit of light conversation and a steady pace, the kilometre started to tick away. At about 29k, my good old friend Cramp started saying hello. Nothing serious, but just a wee reminder that, hey, I'm here, so I eased off the pace a bit and did a bit of a walk through to Sternhart. Halfway there, and just another marathon to go, surprisingly, I was feeling great. I'd only ever completed one marathon and a few halves in the past. My plan was to pretty much walk through to the Ghost Lake as the dreaded 300 stairs and the majority of uphill were in this section and I knew I was pushing it and I was just going to invite Cramp to make the rest of the run miserable. Tagging along with Liz, who was now also walking, uh, made the kilometres slide past and the slower pace allowed us to enjoy the beauty of this magical place. We got to the top of the stairs and managed some gentle running towards Ghost Lake, which from where we first saw it seemed a long way, but suddenly we were there. From Ghost Lake it was about 3 kilometres climb to the top and then the run across to the top again where Cramp forced a drop in pace and separating from the wee group I was in but still managing a reasonable trot and then it was into the downhill. Again one bad cramping I got underway and Cramp Fix was holding the cramp at bay, the pace picked up and the kilometres ticked off through the last aid station at Lyle Saddle and before I knew it I was approaching the swing bridge to the finish line with only those 12 or so stairs to negotiate and then run to the line. Those steps looked like a mountain but I surprised myself and bounded up them to cross the finish line in 11 hours and 49 minutes. Stoked to say the least that I had done it. Why is this my greatest run ever? Well, it could be completing it. It could be the time I did. It could be the distance I ran or it could be completing my first ultra but it's not. It is, what, it is about what I learnt about myself on the way, how great our bodies and minds are if we challenge them, and that we can overcome, and what we can overcome when we do. Not once during that run did I enter that dark space and wonder, what have I done? Which was something I expected to happen, but instead I felt grateful that I had the opportunity to do this magical event. I met some fantastic people, saw an amazing country that most of the population will never see, and experienced the dedication of dozens of people volunteering their time and organising the event, and working at aid stations to allow us runners to fulfil our dreams. What a stunning country and race community we live in, and how privileged we are. I'm forever grateful, and that is why this is my greatest run ever. Wow. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of encapsulates it all, really, doesn't it? It does. And thank you, Steve. Yeah, and it's a again, it's a real privilege that you wrote in. So yeah, we really appreciate that. Man. Yeah, it was great, and it's um, I was feeling for you with the cramp. Yeah, going along. Yeah, yeah, there's um, something wrong with but, that. But uh, that that can happen, and you still experience your greatest run ever. Sort of says so much about how running is much more than the physical. Mm. Mm. Yeah, thanks. Cool. So send us your greatest run ever, and don't forget to go and have a read of them on our website. Yeah, we've put them all up. Radio.com. Fantastic. Yeah. And 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 it just makes me want to run the old ghost road. Ah, oh, yeah. Even more. Every time I do Absolutely. it. Every time everyone talks about it. Absolutely. Right. We've got to go and do it. Right. Righty-ho. The right way. No, what is it? The right way. Wrong way, right way, Raymond way. There you go. Bye. Bye, which is going to be even more scrambled and dysregulated than usual. <laughs> Luke McCallum is a massage therapist who works at Sport Lab, Sports Lab in Grafton, in Auckland. Um, in Auckland. He compete, he's competed internationally in both track and cross-country. He has done at a high level. Um, and he is the current winner, or he's the current champion of the Kerry Kerry Half Marathon. He spent two months in Eton in Kenya, massaging elite Kenyan runners and shares with us his perspective 
on life, on running, on running trails, on running road, on what runners can do better, on what runners could do differently, not better. Oh yeah, better, let's be honest. Okay, can look after and himself. his yeah. his kind of philosophy on maintaining yourself and well-being. This is a fantastic conversation. I learned a lot from it. I know Eugene did as well, and we are beyond stoked to bring it to you. So here we go. Without further ado, Luke McCallum. Radio. Okay, kia ora everyone, we're here with Luke McCallum, all the way from the exotic locale of Mount Eden in Auckland. <laughs> kia ora Luke, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you guys going? Good, thank you, and welcome home. Thank you, thank you, you. It's good to be back. Yeah, one of the things that sort of caught our attention, I mean, we obviously know of you through uh, your work with Sports Lab and, and, and sort of on the you know upper echelons of the cross-country scene. We started getting all these amazing photos in our Instagram feed of you running and living in Kenya. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I had the opportunity to go over to Kenya for work, actually. That's kind of how it all, it all started. Um, There's a bunch of New Zealanders that were planning on heading to go over to train in the lead-up to a few big events. And so I kind of tagged along with them having the opportunity to go for work and that also meant that I got to go and train as well because the amount of work I was doing was only a couple of hours a day so yeah so the the running over there was kind of a bonus but it turned out to be a kind of more of a working holiday that I went on for about two months um so I left at, on the 22nd of December last year and got back about a month ago so wow yeah that's, that's quite a real experience quite a summer holiday now just to be clear for the people listening you work as a, a sports and therapeutic masseuse yeah yeah massage therapist yeah massage sorry yeah. i'm saying that correctly um, <laughs> and and so uh, in in kenya you were based some you're based in a certain training camp or what was yeah that so I was um, based in Eten, which is kind of the, like, if you were to think of Kenyan running, it's the home of champions. It's the, the famous village that everyone would ever kind of talk about. Um, there's kind of, we were living in a, a compound that was owned by Mary Kitani, who's the woman's world record holder. Um, so there's kind of, there's a bit of an insane experience where you're kind of walking up the road and Mary Kitani was just around the corner it's kind of the Kipchoge of women's marathon running type of thing so yeah that was there and there was a number of moments where you're just seeing these crazy famous runners and you're like they just walk around town like every other person does type of thing yeah, right. it's like it's like the it's like the hollywood boulevard really isn't it e10 in kenya yeah. of, of running isn't it it's just yes. from the sounds of it it's just yeah like i say world famous world-class runner after world-class runner yes yeah, so it was it was crazy it's, so if, you, if you'd put in the way of if you met a 205 marathoner anywhere else in the world everyone would know who they are type of thing but over there, it's just you're just another one of no, another one of the locals that can run pretty fast. You kind of have to be a bit fast in order to become a bigger name, which is unheard of. Uh, you, you talk about that, and, and yeah, as I said, in any other country, and people would just you know like yeah. kiss their feet, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. 
So just on just a little fill in a bit more detail on how, how you got there. So who, who did you go over with and and so um, so the two New Zealanders that we went over with was um, Aaron Pulford, mm-hmm. who um, is kind of multiple national champion yeah. across distances from five k up to the marathon. Um, and then there was another one of the a young guy that I trained with up in Auckland, Murdoch McIntyre, who uh just competed at the world cross country over yep. in denmark yep. um over, over the weekend and then uh, there was the robinsons over there as well just just hanging um, out with the robinsons yeah um, yeah <laughs> so so you were the, you went there primarily they'd ask you to go for for work purposes yeah yeah, yeah. oh brilliant what, what yeah. an opportunity <laughs> and what does yeah that mean? yeah so I mean, I've read Running with Kenyans and Running with the Kenyans. We had a Darren and Finn on uh, a couple of weeks ago. What what was your what was your life like as a massage therapist working in Eton compared to working in working for Sports Lab? What was the compare and contrast? Um, what, from day to day. Yeah, from day, day to day. Yeah. What did your day look um, like? And the athletes and so I mean, my preference for how I'd start my day, I'd get up quite early and I'd so start running at about 6, 6.30. So you kind of run when the, the sunrise comes up. Um, and then I'd pretty much, yeah, run anywhere between, it'd be about a 45 to an hour and a half run and then come back, pretty much have breakfast and have a nap. Um, and then probably I'd start working at about midday and then that would probably go through to about five, five or six, and then go for another run, and then just go to bed and repeat. Um, the from work-wise, I think the probably what the, the big difference from between what I do back in New Zealand versus what I did over there is, I think there's not that much of an access, or the athletes over there don't have much access to any form of healthcare that you would expect of an elite athlete so i think when you're talking about a like a if you talk about in a western like a westernizer european runner they they kind of have a lot of one percent one percent opportunities where they can get the best physios get the best massage therapists chiropractors and and whatnot working with them but over there there's not actually like there's massage therapists, but not many, most of them are self-taught, um, and occasionally there's physios that um, come over and travel with some of the European teams or come and work with some of the agencies that are there. But the that's kind of sporadic, and so often, kind of, a, I found the big difference was is just how yeah how open people were to learning different stuff because they just didn't know much at all where over here everyone kind of has access to a lot of information and whether or not the information is right or wrong is a, is a different point but uh-huh. over there yeah that was kind of a, a, a big, the biggest difference I think. So that, that's, that's the amazing thing isn't it I mean, from everything I've, I've read and, and heard about the camps in Kenya is that while you've got these amazingly world-class athletes the facilities are fairly basic and and the, the the lifestyle is is kind of just very much geared around running, running, running. It's just and rest. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. It's I I think the thing is that they don't necessarily talk about is that they actually don't have much else to do. Mm. Like a lot of these guys that are that are runners, they're they're trying to they do it in a way of trying to make money in order to kind of get out of that the poverty line or kind of make ends meet. And so they kind of if they win a race, for example, they might win a couple of thousand US dollars, and that's enough for to live off for quite a long period of time. And so that's kind of the way that their job works. Whereas other people who had jobs there were, yeah, it was quite a bit different. But for the runners, it was they're kind of running in order to make prize money or make appearance fees and then, and then kind of invest in the future. Mm. So that's, that's their, that's their sort of income stream is winning races. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what, I mean, you, you know, obviously America Taney and these, and these superstars of, of world athletics are, are one thing, but what were the, you know, what were the sort of the other runners who, who as you say, maybe 205 or 210 marathoners themselves, what was what were they like? What was your experience with living with them and being in the camp with them? So, with the, I think the thing is, most guys were were that fast. Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't often come across guys that weren't, and the ones that I mean, the ones that were, they'd often be pacing the faster woman. Um, but I think it's. You hear about so many. I mean, if you were to look up the world rankings of the fastest marathon times, it's pretty. It's kind of riddled with um, Eastern African countries, like the Ethiopia, Eritrea, and Kenya. But yeah, I, th- I think we see them in the big races, but you kind of forget how many other races there are in the world. And so there's actually a lot of like how many runners there are is insane. And so. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, definitely didn't talk, talk to to everyone. You kind of we found our little bubble of people that we that we knew, and that was kind of there's probably about 10, 10 Kenyans that we kind of hung out regularly with. Um, some of them, I mean, one of the guys was like got the fastest half marathon in two thousand eighteen, <laughs> which is like. I think you're was 58, 40, 40-odd. 40 and so we hung out with him quite a lot. He was, he was a cool dude, um, yeah. Eric Kiptonui. But, but, so things like that where uh, you wouldn't notice any difference between a guy like that necessarily than a guy that was running like 67 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So they, is there, there's no sort of hierarchy amongst them or... I, guess I think there, there there is a little bit, but it's it's probably more driven from money mm. that they get from, from prize money and, and appearance fees. So I mean, you think of the the bigger Kenyan names that are that are out there, they often get offered jobs in in the military or in the police, and so that gives them status as well. Right, mm. and so they kind of so with with stuff like that is. I, th- I think that's how their their status is driven. But so it's very much it's an existential exis- it's it's an existential endeavor essentially, isn't it? It's it's not like here where you know Eugene and I or will run, but 
will run very much more as a, as an auxiliary part to our life rather than something that if we say had the talent to do it you know the difference between you know me being a i don't know sub 3 you know two and a half hour marathon i'm going to get a pair of shoes and if you in Kenya you're not going to get anything but if you're that good you're looking at really being able to set yourself up and your family up for a long long time yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's kind of the basics of it. I think. I think. I mean, even for myself, it's very much a. I I run for enjoyment, and and it kind of brings a lot of happiness. But I, I wasn't convinced that everyone over there loved loved running in the way that you mm. see back here. Right. I think there's there's so many have running that kind of add so much yeah enjoyment that you kind of spend so much time like researching it and like learning all different things and different elements of of the sport uh, and over there it's i mean if you were to talk in a way of like it's a it's a, like a stereotypically a lawyer who's going to work for a lot and they just don't want to be there right but right. they just go and do it anyway yeah yeah well i heard i mean i don't know if this is true but i heard that there's not much of a kind of a, a running obviously at the elite level there's runners, but beyond that, not many other people run. So it's sort of, you know, there aren't many people running just for fun. Um, is that what you found? In eighteen, yeah, I mean, in eighteen, eighteen was there were a few like hobby joggers, if you want to put a, a, if that that term to it. Um, but apart from that, the, you definitely didn't see it anywhere else. Um, down in Alderet, which was one of the closest, kind of biggest cities um that yeah there definitely wasn't any form of you're running it was more just there were a few there's a few locations up close to e10 um like captagat um which it's kind of if you run you run type of thing yeah and there's not much in between the the, yeah. the amateur level or an elite there's no no park runs no <laughs> no no fun yeah so not, uh, not half marathons happening every so. <laughs> hey, so I guess this brings us on to your story. I mean, like one of the things that you know, not you know, your your job as a massage therapist, notwithstanding. I mean, you've run to a, a high level both in, in cross country and on the road. Hey, where did your yeah. journey, uh, to use that oft overused term, start with running? Um. So I grew up. Uh, down in Taranaki, um, with and my family was always into running. I think there've been different points that all my family have kind of been runners. I mean, my dad's run twenty eight fifty for ten k. Whoa, um, so forever chasing, yeah, yeah, forever chasing his terms. Um, but so I kind of started running through. So I kind of always been around it and started running through high school and started getting some pretty good results um up until about sixth form and then I kind of had quite quite a few injuries to be honest and it kind of kind of took a couple of years away from the sport and kind of came back about two or three years ago and started really kind of getting back into it and took, started taking it a bit more seriously and getting my body into a place where I could actually handle the training that I wanted to do. Um, and initially I got that 
by doing trail running actually um i found trail running was something that and i think a lot of people talk about it where time doesn't matter and i found that mentally easier because i think when you get back into it when you're well when i was a kind of pretty pretty good junior you kind of compare yourself to your younger person and Mm. and theoretically you kind of think i should be faster than what i get what i'm at um so that's kind of how it started and i kind of had a bit of race fright if you were to put it (laughs) kind of look at it that way where you don't want to do races and be like oh, i'm slower than what i used to be and so i started doing with these trail races i did like the exterior half marathon down rotoborough and did route burn classic um and a couple other ones and then kind of trend started getting into a place where I could start to see some really good results and transition back to the road where I'd done um, a few half marathons and 10Ks. Um, the last race I did was, or last half marathon I did was the Kiri Kiri half marathon. Um, and I won that, which was, that was kind of a, the first time where I was like, oh, yep, yeah, no, things are going pretty well. <laughs> yeah. And that would have been just before you went to Kenya, wasn't it? Yeah, so I, I th- that was about three weeks before I went. Yeah. So the idea was trying to find a race before I went um, and then finding races when I come back to see the differences of, I think, being at altitude for such a long period of time, but also having the ability to, uh, you know, put, put, put as much into training as I possibly could, which I think is pretty hard when you're, when you're working full-time and, yeah, you're standing on your feet. So I think having the opportunity to, it's kind of the energy as well, to put more into running and to see, see what they would be able to do. Sure. Um, if, if I may be so intrusive, uh, what was your time at the Kiri Kiri half for the win? Uh, uh, hour 10, so seven wow. minutes. 70 minute half marathon time. That's not too shabby. And have you raced since, <laughs> and have you raced since you've been back? Um, I did the National Track and Field Champs down in Christchurch uh, a couple of weeks back. Um, and now it's 5K, so that's very short. And then, and that, that was kind of the first track race that I'd done in six years. Yeah. And then, and, but I've got, I've got a half marathon coming up in two weeks' time. Um, so that's kind of the, been, been the big goal for the last, well, since November pretty much. So. So mm. that'll be the test. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. that. That'll be the true test. I mean, it's, it's a little bit uh, longer, I think, after coming down from altitude than was kind of suggested. But I kind of had a, I took two months off work. I don't think that would have liked it so much. I took much more. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I guess it's the thing, and I, 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 cla- I class, I class uh, Eugene in this, um, in this sort of. My, in this grouping, I, I group runners like yourself and Eugene into the into the the term of sort of classically trained. So you guys are classically trained runners. You know, you know how to run on the track. You know what a five k means. You know what a etc. 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 Do you think that people? I I mean, how, approaching it from both worlds. You know, like road running and then trail running. Do you think more people, and especially clients that you see, would benefit from getting out on the road more and and sort of devoting more time to sort of the the discipline of running? I'm really glad that you brought this up because this is something that I talk to people 
quite a lot about it. I, I, I do treat quite a few trail runners from, yeah, like your different levels through the sport as well. And quite often, I think what the co- a common thread of what I see is people say they're always wanting to do something that they don't necessarily think is being achievable and they want to push themselves past a point that they didn't think that they would be able to get before. Right. I'm, I'm not too sure if that's, I think you guys have kind of heard of, you've had conversations about that with, you know, like people you train with or people you've talked well, I mean, that's the thing with any um, kind of running endeavour, isn't it? It's about pushing yourself past what you feel you could cope with, or and and, and that's why we compete. It's, well, that, it, that's exactly that. And I, I think when you've got people doing, they kind of often people feel that they need to go longer in order to get that sense of pushing themselves further and harder than they ever could which yeah. I, I can i can see see their point but i'm also going well why don't you like your current pb for the half marathon is 145 why don't you train for a 125 yeah you know yeah. something like where you, you go oh like i definitely couldn't do that yeah but who's saying that you can't you don't really know until you try which is i think it's the same mentality but i think that i think it's something that often there's a little bit more of a sense of failure that can come from when you're comparing times versus just finishing a race. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. But it's, it, it's a matter of, it's like, you, you're right. I mean, and we, we talk about on the podcast quite a bit, the sort of tyranny of distance and the kind of, um, we talked to Darren and Finn about <laughs> the post, we're in the post-marathon age where it's not, not enough to kind of, you know, the, the sort of water cooler um, currency of saying you've run a marathon is diminished, and you know now you've got to say I've run a ultra, you know I've run a hundred k or I've run a hundred mile or whatever, <laughs> which is crazy because um, I mean if you know as he talked about running a running a five k or a ten k is just harder in lots of ways well, than doing he, an ultra. What he said was that he'd finished this ultra marathon, everyone was kind of falling over themselves about it, and he was really disappointed with his time. But then he kind of said, you know, have you seen my mile time? Because his mile yeah. time is really impressive. And they're yeah. like, well, we don't care about that at all. You know, like, yeah, it's a, it's a different... <laughs> I, I think tra- a trail running is kind of going through a, a period of what kind of the running boom through in the 80s went through at the mm, moment. Yes. And, and so I kind of think that, like, road running is kind of the, you know, the older brother, the thing that's... Ned done that type of thing, whereas now the trail running is the new and exciting thing, and I think it's just it's kind of needed to go that way because it's actually I think revitalised the sport in, in many ways by people kind of really moved away from just sort of always running on the road um, and the track as well. But now it's kind of it's I mean you talked to a lot of event organisers and but for the road and their numbers going through like strength to strength so it's kind of i think as people were saying the option of being able to do both is quite quite nice and yeah I, I, i'm not too sure but the yeah i definitely think that people should look at having different challenges and kind of different goals and i think always going for the longest and the hardest and the unachievable was not necessarily the the right way to go about it because i think would find themselves more challenged if they make the challenges, you know, so drastic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from a training perspective, 
your training would change so much. Mm. I, did, I did a six week um, um, training program to run a mile uh, after after a few years of doing ultras, and I, lo- I loved it. I loved the variety. Um, I loved the challenge of it, and. It didn't make me feel any less of a runner. That's that's for sure. No, and I, I can definitely. And when I got to the end of it, I knew I'd worked. Oh my god, my lungs were just burning. But um, in a way that hadn't hadn't happened for years. So yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's it's about mixing it up, but isn't it? Yeah, well, I think it's a it's a sport that stereotypically people find quite boring if they don't do the sport themselves. And so I think by by being able to change it up as much as you can. And I mean, I do that with my training. Is like I I race on the road and and occasionally the track, but a lot of my running is on road as much as it can be. I mean, I live in Auckland, so the options are not as good as elsewhere in the country. But I mean, there's so many places that you can drive to that kind of give a sense of getting outside as well. So it's not anything to do with. So like you don't you like you can go on run on the trail, but right the race at the end of the day is just a test of fitness and so how you get there is can be completely different yeah that's yeah. right and i think there's that what i'd like to see with somewhere like you know auckland is there's so much green space here there's so many trails they're not the most grandiose trails and i think that we as runners and or people who focus on trail more than road say um can get a bit grandiose get a bit ahead of ourselves in terms of that sort of stuff like every run like you said every run has to be i'm going up to this mountain well why don't you run that that bridle path through the local park and tie it into a road run and tie it in you know i think my favorite runs are are ones that are mixed terrain like incorporate some road some trail some gravel like i love runs like that i think Mm. i always come back feeling much cooler and much more capable than just say running technical terrain yeah i mean i i goes uh, for me my idea running is getting out into say like a place like riverhead um but i only run on the on the on the roads out there um one there's kind of two reasons i do it is my sense of direction is awful and (laughs) two is it's more you kind of (coughs) still feel like you're running and you can get a decent pace going but and you're kind of still in nature as well yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that I think that's important. Yeah, that's absolutely, right. that's right. But it's still it's it is still like I can go for a lunchtime run. Just picking up on your point, Matt, I can go for a lunchtime run at work in Ponsonby, and if I link up the domain and some of the other trails around, I can actually you know and through the green spaces, I can actually get back to the office having run ten k, and most of it is off the road as such. It's it's we're pretty lucky as far as that's concerned. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's, that's definitely. And I, th- I think even just kind of tying up between the domain and Cornwall Park, it's two quite big, large spaces in the centre of a city, which is quite rare. So, yeah. I, I mean, take the advantage of it, I say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. So, and again, now sort of pivoting around to your work in New Zealand as a massage therapist, what, what do you think runners could be doing better and I guess you could you could pass this to trial runners or just let's use the term runners because we're all at the end of the day just runners. What could runners be doing better in terms of maintaining their well-being? Um, I, not to put you out of a job. Yeah, 
<laughs> no, he's going to put himself. Um, I think that, you know, I think that often, so, so often, everyone, and I think this kind of goes across most sports, and I think it kind of is geared a little bit more towards running just because of the personality of the people that are attracted to the sport. Is that we often do so much all the time. And yeah. So we're kind of pushing ourselves at work. We're perfectionists. We're trying to get the most out of different things. And often we do kind of a more is more approach. Um, and so it's more running and it's doing more rehab, doing more foam rolling or more stretching than we should always, than what, what we could do. And often with things like foam rolling or stretching as we go too aggressive um, and we put, too much stress on our bodies that I think that our bodies can't necessarily cope with especially if you kind of I mean you go go out for a two hour run or three hour run or six hour run whatever and then you go onto the foam roll and you go oh, what I need to do is just um, go hard go hard and go um, and often I think that actually causes a little bit more tissue trauma than what we're trying to do in the first this place i think that everyone will always go yeah kind of that more is more rather than a less is more i think it's yes. more of a more of an idea of being a little bit kinder to ourselves and actually allowing our bodies to kind of relax relax and, and settle down um and that goes like along the lines of making sure you're getting your sleep um doing easy runs slower thing, things like that where your body gets a chance to, you know, ch- chill out. Um, I think that's the, the way that I, I kind of treat clinically as well. Is because our um, everyone's like your body can only cope with so much until it kind of breaks down, and so you kind of have to be able to give it the tools to to recover. And so often, I, mean, I think sports massage has this kind of connotation that it must be painful. And I don't, I don't, I don't agree with it. Um, I think that you kind of need to, you know, you look after the body and kind of get it more into your kind of your parasympathetic nervous system response, which is when your your body's going to recover, rather than having it always in this fight or flight right. mode. Um, and so it's kind of, and I, it's I think it's the not necessarily the the popular answer but i think it's a because i think people always feel like they want to feel like something's been done right to, you know that you want to feel you want to feel like you're you want to feel like you've foam rolled fix me but no, yeah. or you want to feel like you've yeah you want to feel like you've had a good massage and by feeling like you've had a good massage you feel like you've been pummeled into the table um but i think that because of i mean the western lifestyle where the stresses that we have on the body are, is so great. Uh, we don't get any respite from from it, from sitting in traffic where it's stressful, from going to work where it's stressful. We're running, yes, mentally it's a stress reliever, but physically it's still a stress on is on the body. So I think it's more about yeah, getting the body to to just you know calm down and yeah, yeah I mean you're relax, right, and satisfy. It's that sort of, and I guess it it brings it back to that sort of existential sort of cycle of movement and cycle of, um, <coughs> pardon me, 
cycle of you know movement and cycle of kind of rest and cycle of recovery you can hear me coughing into the microphone i apologize you know i've I've been sick this weekend and and had you know a bit of stress happen as well around home and i haven't run in a couple of days whereas in the past i would have beaten myself up all weekend like i'm not keeping up with eugene's yearly mileage or i'm not doing this or i'm not doing that i actually feel better for it actually having pulled the pin for a couple of days and just had a bit of a rest you know, yeah, and I'm not doing jumping jacks or anything like that, which I would have ridiculously done. Like, I'll oh, do skipping all day or something. You know, like <laughs> it's it's yeah, it, it's incredible that it's actually. I guess it's that balance. Say, eh? like if I if I'd have gone out and ran both days in the weekend, v- looking at my long term recovery, what would that have done? Yes, yeah, and uh, I, I say that from a, it's a, it's been a big learning curve from me and my own experiences um I kind of went through a period of doing too much training um and trying to fit everything into my day from working full-time and studying full-time and still trying to have this goal of being the best runner I could and it kind of got to a point that yeah like my ball down and it took a couple of years to to recover and this is a cycle you, I, I often see and it's it's a, re- it's a really sad cycle that you see people in. I think it's even more sad when you're seeing it happening in, in, in young athletes, especially I think New Zealand has so many talented youngsters, mm. but often the, the many that go push through to the, that senior level. Um, I think I think more in the in insurance sport for sure. And I think it's just doing too much too soon. Mm. Um, uh, like I was quite lucky I've, had um i've been able to i mean the resources that i have available to me by working with the company that i do um with kind of physiological testing and working with some really good physios um that i mean before i worked there so kind of biased but not really um (laughs) and that kind of that that really um opened my eyes a, a lot and it's, yeah, I mean, it, as I said, it's taken a couple of years, but you, you kind of get to the point that you want to be, and it, it really has just come down from learning to t- uh, look after my body, and not, but it's basically just a, a less is more approach, really. Yeah, and that, that's a hard thing for many runners to get their heads around. I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's so often, or for so long, things we get around mileage and, you know, times and so on, and it, it actually, you're learning that, sometimes backing off is actually better yeah. is a hard lesson to learn isn't it yeah well I, th- I think I don't I don't think there's a magical number of mileage that people should do I think mm. that's probably the best the, the first thing to put out there and so I think often people feel like they like in order to be a marathon runner you need to run x amount of kilometers a week and in order to do an ultra run you need to do an x amount of kilometers on the road and x amount of kilometers on the trail you must do an eight hour training every three weeks and that's so long build up into your race and I, I don't necessarily agree with it because i think the amount of people that you get broken before you get to the race and they turn up to the race and they're, they're not really excited to be there i mean you talk to people who do ultras it's a it's the top 10 inches that make the biggest difference. And yeah. so if you're kind of so, like, uh, f- doing all this training, you're, you're struggling to 
get there on the start line, you're better off doing a little bit less than actually being in a really good headspace. Mm. And I think um, that, that comes back to that point that you made before is that trial running is kind of like the little brother or the little sibling, little brother or sister on the scene. And we're seeing that kind of borne out now with like, and I probably think the most high profile person I can think of around there is, is someone like Anton Kropitschka, who might have, yeah. and and certainly he, in things that I've seen, he varies between sort of saying perhaps running a 200 mile week repetitively, perhaps that was too much versus I don't see any, sometimes he'll vary, I don't see any any correlation at all. But, you know, he's a man who's like 34, 35 now and chronically injured. Yeah. Like, yeah. Li- like and, um, it's chronically managing injury. Yeah, and I, th- I think, I mean, some bits, to, to be fair, some people are okay with that. Some people be kind of, I think, have this thought that being injured as being part is kind of just part of the sport. And I right. think like it's... And I don't. Again, it's something that I think that people put up with things to a point, but it kind of you kind of get to a point where you actually just have to be like, enough's enough. Um, and I think, if, especially if you look at someone at that, at, you know, at that age, if they kind of have to strip everything back, mm. that you're kind of a long period of time of kind of bad habits and and thought patterns around training and the way that you're living your life in it. It's almost like too hard basket. Yeah. And, uh, I guess as, but, and I guess as well, no disrespect to, you know, Anton, um, thinking about as well what was tied in with that as an elite athlete is marketing, is money, is sponsorship contracts, is that kind of yes. narrative that gets told around him as the guy who does this. Um and and you and it brings it back to that point. Like I've had countless conversations with people who, you know, said that by the time they stood on the Tarawera start line, and this is non-elite runners, you know, very much sort of Johnny Wage Pale, um, <laughs> they or Johnny Lunch Pale, they they, they were bro- like you said, they were absolutely broken. And there's a I yeah. guess when it starts to impact on your function, is when you need to consider, hey, what's actually happening. And you know when you're running as is, is having a negative effect on your life, your ability to function as an adaptive primate. You know what's going on. Yes, yeah, and I, th- I th- it's, again, it's like a difficult thing where, I mean, we've got. I think running is one of the most addictive things that that is out out there 100%. in regards to, and so to to break patterns in order to think of the bigger picture is really tough and I, and I really do I, I do get that because I've been there myself but yeah I, th- I think it's a uh, if you could get a, a hundred people in a room and, and kind of tell them you know like this is the the right way to start running and then they go out and do it I think you're going to get a drastically different group of people in the way that they approach the sport Yeah. versus mm. if it's just heaps of people just kind of well I've just got to run, and I've got to run a lot. I think in New Zealand we've got that mentality. I think we've got that mentality from kind of the Lydia days of Mm -hmm. um, this is the way to run a marathon. And so to do, if you've got to run longer than a marathon, you've got to run more than a hundred miles. And 
that's a lot. Mm. <laughs> that's really a lot. It is a lot. My body would break down if I tried to do that. <laughs> yeah, and and I, I I did do that for a while. I did. I was doing hundred mile weeks. In fact, sometimes I was doing two hundred kilometers. Kilometer weeks. And guess what? I broke down. But 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 having said that, I did <laughs> faster than I ever did before. So you but know. Do you think as well to kind of to look at the, the the parallel to that? I was just thinking about you know how I'm pretty much a bit of anything that I'm a runner. And like you guys doing like say Eugene doing a two hundred kilometer week and you were you were training with Arthur Lydia's crew and there was actually a real you t- or who was coaching you Barry McGee Barry yeah. McGee was coaching he was a great coach by the way you know and you Luke you know like yeah. having represented you know top level stuff I can see having in other areas of my life having had a real shot at making it or doing you know the say the musical equivalent of a 220 marathon or something like that i can see the attraction to that and yes. i can actually understand why you would push yourself mm, versus mm. you know a, a waddle around riverhead every now and again not saying anyone's waddling around riverhead but you know <laughs> I what do. i mean do you know what i mean it's like i i i definitely, I definitely get that versus, I, I think that because if you get like i mean if you look if you talk to a lot of runners what their profession is often these people are they're top in their profession as well um yes. so you're getting these like top dog like super successful people that have these traits that are kind of like if you've got a goal you've got to do everything to get there and, mm. and it, it, it is exactly the thing in order to i mean i think in order to be kind of considered a genius in an area or, or whatever it is is you've got to do ten thousand hours of that one thing in order to get there. Absolutely, and but yeah, and I, I, it's, it's it's a difficult one with running because I think the the tool that you use to get there is a little bit well, not quite as robust as we think it is. It's incredibly mm, yeah. robust until a point, and often when you get to that point, it's almost a point of oh, it's a little bit too late. Right, right, I understand. Yeah. Hey, do you think yeah. that there's been a change? Because I've just reflected, I, my finger is firmly on the pulse and, and being laid up this weekend, I just watched Icarus, that documentary <laughs> <Not> about, <yet. laughs> wow, what an incredible, amazing, amazing. Um, who knew? But the, <laughs> blew my mind. But in terms of, and a lot of the research that's coming out, because I work in mental health, in terms of sort of goal versus process, you know, I've read several articles that say if you have a goal, people are either going to A, cheat, or B, struggle to meet their goal, if that is the focus. And then in terms of the focus being the process or the application, and then I link that to kind of a more kind of present mindful approach to life, you know, and and there's been lots of research done around mindfulness and meditation. Do you see a shift in people's practice or approach to running who are starting to follow a more kind of process-driven approach? Um, I th- yes, 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 there is. Like, I think that's a kind of a really good point where often, I mean, if you're talking to people at the, high le- the highest level, their goal is Olympic gold or going to the Olympics. And I think the process is often forgotten about i think if you're looking at at a goal as well often i mean often goals are made that made big and unattainable and so if you don't reach it 
But mm. if you follow the process of you just wanting to be the best athlete, from you kind of think a week ahead at the most, and, and then you reassess at the end of every week with how things have gone, the process is a lot more enjoyable because you're not, yeah, I mean, often goals are set out like the biggest goal in your field is set out maybe 10 years in advance right? where you're kind of striving for it. But if you just small achieve, you're always going to, it's a lot disappointment is if you don't quite get there is a lot less. And so, and then you can adjust along the way. Um, and I think that is starting to change quite a lot, but I, th- I think that goes more and just more society driven than just running driven. Mm, mm. What? What's um? Just trying to. I mean, we obviously we're conscious that we've taken up a lot of your time already, but I was just trying to sort of, if we sort of came up with a um, a kind of a um, the things that weekend warrior runners should let's say, be doing. Let's, let's use that. Let's not use that word. Let's okay, say right. passionate enthusiast. <laughs> okay, passionate enthusiast runner. What? What things should they also? I mean, they're obviously running, but what other things should they be doing <laughs> to keep themselves healthy, to get them to the start line of races, if that's their goal, um, in a good condition? Um, you know, obviously we've mentioned some of these things, you know, sleep and so on. But just what sort of sort of some takeaways for people to think about incorporating, making sure that they're incorporating these things into their running and life. Okay, um, I think the. Probably one one place to start would be learning to differentiate the difference between pain and tightness. Yeah. Often, so often those two get muddled up in the signals they get sent back to the brain. And I think and, and fatigue comes into that a little bit as well. Um, and so learning to differentiate between the two, I think, is, is vital into being able to differentiate need if whether or not you need someone else to help you or not. Um, because I think when, if you're in pain, um, you, it's better to get someone else to, someone else to help you. It's a, it's a complex thing where there's often a number of different things that have kind of led you to be in pain. Tightness mm-hmm. is something that is a little bit uh, more easy to manage and you can manage it yourself, but it's also a sign of, of fatigue as well. So it's your body not necessarily recovering, um, as fast as it should, um, so I think learning to differentiate the difference between those two and then learning to be able to go training, things are full on. And exactly as you guys have talked about, it, things outside of my training has been full on and mm. learning to pull back if you need to. Mm. Um, I kind of think that running is something that when running is at its best and when it brings the most fulfillment to our lives is more, it's when everything else is going well as well and I don't you don't want running to turn into this mental stressor because you feel like you have to do it so I think part of it is as well as yeah so learning to be able to pull back when you even if you can before you know it's going to turn into a stressor but definitely if things are full on if you yeah 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 learning to be able to do it's also like the lessons more so kind of learning to prioritize if you've got things that are just you can't get away from Often running is a thing that's actually going to be the thing that will push you over the edge. Mm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, if you were to go, um, if you were to go from more of like a, a 
purely physical perspective. Um, I think that often we overdo stretching and foam rolling. So I'm going to say that, and I mean, if you were to talk to most people, well, they didn't like foam rolling, it's because it hurts too much. So I don't agree with causing pain to hurt pain. So kind of go a less is more approach. And so if foam rolling is too painful, find something else that is going to be less painful that you can feel like you can relax through. Right. Um, because your body is going to be more open to receiving different stimuluses if you're relaxed through them. So, and then it's a similar thing with stretching. It's a, we feel like we need a really good stretch, but often that really good stretch is actually an overstretch. And so overstretching is basically causing the opposite thing of what we're trying to do in the first place. So again, it's like a, it's a less is more approach to that. And I think about, again, not to disrespect anyone, and certainly not because he'll hunt, hunt me down, but I think about David Goggins. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard it? And he's yeah. like, so I learned about stretching, and I thought, well, if they say to stretch 20 minutes, I'm going to stretch for four hours a night. So that's what I do. And he has this insane, yeah. well, everything he does is yeah. insane. Yeah. Well, no, it's not insane. Everything he does feels a bit compulsive, but that sense of stretching for four hours a night, yeah. surely yeah. that's not about stretching. Yeah. Yeah. With all due respect, David Goggins. Yeah. And by the way, Dave, if you yeah. are listening, that was Matt who said that. <laughs> okay. My name is Luke well, McCullum. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, th- I think with a lot of the things that we do is we do it because someone, I mean, we do things because other people told us that that's what we do. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, oh, you're a runner, I'm a runner, you do this, so I'll do it as well. And so, yeah. that, and that's how a trend starts with what different people are going to do. Um, and so, I think that looking at a little bit further, and you look into the research and a lot of different things like that, and working within kind of the medical medical rehab, like prehab type of field, it kind of changed my opinion on a lot, a lot of those as well. So, yeah. Less is more. That, that's kind of always my advice. <laughs> Fantastic! What a great, what a great mindset. And hey, Luke, Luke, thank you so much for talking to us. I've learned, and I've really enjoyed this conversation. And I feel I've, I've learned a lot from it. And I hope everyone else listening will as well. But it's that time, brother. So <laughs> we're just going to crack in, man. Like Luke McCallum, the question that we ask everyone on the show: What's your greatest run ever? Oh. So, probably the one, that, probably the one that sticks out to me the most is I, and I've actually think I might have messaged you guys this one before. Is I was eighteen at the time and I was travelling quite a lot and I travelled into Israel and I went for a run from. I'm not sure if you're aware of any biblical stories. I grew up Catholic. The Great Very Samaritan weird. Inn. Yeah, okay. So, so the Great Samaritan Inn. Um, there's basically a museum where that where the the inn was, and so we basically. Ran from there through the desert and up this massive hill that overlooked uh, uh, the Dead Sea. And so that was kind of this first time when I was running through this tour group where everyone, I couldn't understand anything that everyone had said, but everyone was running. And it was just one of these experiences was there was just like, this is crazy of how big of a running culture is somewhere else in the world but I have no idea what's happening no idea what anyone's mm. saying but it was just the coolest place where it was kind of like 7 eight in the morning where the sun's coming up yeah 
and big fan of because I remember you you did you messaged me one and it was one sentence and running at the Dead Sea I was like could you please elaborate and you did it <laughs> but what was that were you like were you you go below sea level around there don't you you actually because yeah, so it's, it's an, a, the lowest so the Dead Sea is the lowest point on Earth um, but we were running up looking down so we're basically you kind of think that you're really high but you're about at sea level and you look right down into this um kind of big cavity where there's kind of it's kind of i think the thing is if you go to a place that you've heard so so much about growing up and then you're actually there that was kind of the surreal experience of it and and so yeah it was so hard to kind of i think that was the first time that i'd ever had this like oh you know this running thing can take you many places yeah, oh, yeah, fantastic. And, um, cult- and, and cult- that was connecting with cultures. Cool part about it. Mm. Wonderful. We, we had all tempted to um, like feign an injury on the side of the road to test out the theory of the Good Samaritan. To yeah. see, if the, <laughs> see if the Good Samaritans would I'll, actually stop and help you. I'll, I wasn't quite prepared to. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was naive as enough as it was at eighteen. I didn't really need to like really test, <laughs> test the limits there. <laughs> Fantastic! <laughs> hey, that's a fantastic. Yeah, that's, that is, that's really good. And, yeah. and that message of of um, how running kind of crosses cultures, doesn't it? And um, yeah, connects us in ways that lots of things don't. So mm. fantastic. Well, look, Luke, thank you so much for speaking with us, man. And good luck for the. Is it the waterfront half that you're into? Yes. Yeah, that's the one. Wonderful. Oh, good luck for that, brother. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, guys. And I'll look out for you at Sports Lab next time. And then seeing shout out to Hannah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. This might have been a C minus effort from me this week due to no being sick or whatever. But out. that was A plus from Luke. I really enjoyed that conversation. I, I did thought too. he was excellent. Yeah. There were lots of moments of real insight yeah. for me personally. Absolutely. So I'm sure there were for tons of our listeners. Yeah. Too. I really like the part about like how we over foam roll. Like that's the because yeah. if you ever done I have, I was oh. like, yeah, I'm gonna damage myself with this thing and then Yeah, and you, so you end up putting it off. Yeah. Because you're like, oh I don't wanna go yeah, it sort of sits there and you look at it and go, Oh, I hate that thing. Yeah. But I'm gonna become friends with my phone roller again. Yeah, we're that's on good terms. I mean we write a couple of times a month, but <laughs> So there we go. Did your phone roll the right in for that Seagully cap giveaway? It did. It did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who didn't? Uh, right. So thank you, Luke. Really appreciate that. And thanks for making the time for us. Thank you to you listeners for tuning yes. in. Uh, we'll be back next week with another interesting conversation with another interesting runner. You I'm can sorry. Find us on social media at Dirt Church Radio or email us dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. That's right. Like, mm-hmm. rate, subscribe. I'm not even, we're not even there, are we? Anyway, like, rate, subscribe, share the love, you know, follow us on Instagram, yep. um, Facebook, Facebook, Twitter. If you're a Russian bot and looking for an account to follow, Dirt Church Radio is the one for you. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can subscribe and write. We've already said all that. Yeah. Don't forget to write into us with your greatest friend ever. Don't forget to go and read it on the website. Lots of people are, which is good to see. Would love to hear from you. Thank you to this week's guest, Luke. Yep. Uh, thank you to our partners. Yeah, our sponsors, whoever Ultra we Spire, want to call them. Ultra Spire. Cielly. Cielly. Thank you to our editor, Kieran. Yeah. We've got another great guest coming up. Next week, Matt's going to feel better next week, so yep. tune in then, Kakite. I'm sorry, Rigby, I was mean to you about being a useless guard dog. But it's the truth. Truth hurts, Rigby. Truth hurts. Kakite. Ah!
Thanks, Rigby.